Welcome to the Crushing Comics Podcast. This episode was originally recorded on the 30th of September and debuted on YouTube. In this episode, we cover the second week of the X of Swords crossover, which included the single issue X Factor number 4. Spoiler warning, we discuss everything about X-Men, up to and including comics from the 30th of September, as well as other current events in the Marvel Universe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Crushing Comics. I'm your host, Crisis with a K, also the name of Peter, but we'll go with my mutant name of Crisis. And I am joined here by two of my favorite mutant fans from around the world, Tyler and Freya. Freya, how are you on this fine day? I am doing excellent. How about yourself? I am actually really excited to talk about this issue because it seems like it's it's splitting opinion already from what I've seen on the internet. Tyler, what about you? What are your uh, excitements of the day? Anything other than X-Men? Mm, unfortunately not, but, you know, I'm here, so I'm pretty excited right now. Excellent. Now, I, I gotta say, though, like, throughout the week, I just keep for, for I keep looking forward to the, our recordings and, you know, talk about getting all nerdy over X-Men and stuff. So it's it's always the highlight of the week for me. I don't know whether that's sad or funny. <laughs> well, you know, when we first got together last year with Zach, who's still, you know, all the eggs have been destroyed. The, the okay. resurrection pro- process has really been slowed down. What if he died on Otherworld? We don't know when Zach's going to be back. Um, mm. Full spoilers, by the way. And when we got together last year, it was in this, like, normal world where it was like, oh, I guess I'm going to take an hour to talk to my geek friends. But now it feels like we're all in these rooms predominantly, you know, and, and this is, like, our chance to actually connect. And it, it's just taken on a very different meaning for me, even as somebody yeah. whose country has a little bit more open movement uh, in 2020 compared to how it did in 2019. I don't know. D- what does true. it feel like for you? No, no, that that's absolutely true because you know most of my interaction has been over like you know FaceTime and stuff. So it's like the, even though this is FaceTime, but it kind of feels different because there's like a focused, fun conversation. Yeah. Yep, definitely. I mean, uh, I at one point I was at home for like four months without leaving my apartment <laughs> at all. So you know, this is something that um, is really good for me i think (laughs) and i think too and i would say this to everybody out there who's you know still dealing with this in their own way make the same time for like fun things that you make for your work things if you're somebody who's working at home and doing this you know i've been playing DD with friends i've been having these great x-men chats and it's like great to look forward to being on 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 these video calls as much as you may or may not look forward to being on them with coworkers. but now it is time to dig in so this week we're talking about x factor four it is chapter two of x of swords or ten of swords depending on how you want to read it and uh this is our first sense of what the flavor of the thing is really going to be as it crosses across all the books. We only have one chapter this week. Next week we have three, so that's going to be exciting. But let's talk about this book. And first of all, let's start with overall impressions, and then we'll kind of dig into the plot sequentially and talk about some of the specifics. So let's start with Tyler. Uh, You have been enjoying X Factor so far. Where does this issue hit for you? Um, I think I like this issue a lot more than Creations, Mm. (laughs) which is which is kind of controversial, I think. But, you know, um, I, I find that um, the storytelling is through the lens of characters that we have seen and got to know more um, during this Dawn of X phase. And it feels a little bit more... Um, it, the, the story feels a little bit more intimate than, say, the info dump in Creations, which came right after the info dump in X-Men 12. So that sort of threw me off a little bit at you know when i read creations last week but this one you know it hit i I, I mean it's not perfect but you know it's not a hundred over hundred kind of comics but you know it it felt better for me Hmm. now let me go down below what are your opinions off the cuff of x factor 4 
So I, because, you know, I've been playing catch up with you guys on the single issues. So I kind of read X Factor 1 to 4. And then, you know, I have also, I've been kind of joking with Tyler about this, that I'm becoming a true X-Men fan because I am, my first impression, like, these are not my X Factor. Who are these people? <laughs> Set like, like a true know, X-Men fan. See, we can't call you a new mutant anymore. Now you're X-Force. Right, right, right. right. I'm, an, I'm an X-Men. <laughs> I have, like, opinions about mutants and what teams they need to be. <laughs> we and I'm did like, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, who are these people? These are not my X Factor. So, um, so I was kind of grudgingly reading it. Uh, it's it's like you know the first one, two, three, one, two, three was okay, but then so I was kind of expecting it to kind of follow the same team and go some like you know somehow connect to the X X uh, like Ten of Sword, but it wasn't. It was just its own thing that is kind of more connecting from the creations like, you know, right after creation, pretty much it started. So that kind of threw me off a little bit. And, you know, I have some thoughts about some of the things that got changed. And this felt more like there was a setup. Now there is like stakes being put in to the whole crossover thing. And I don't know where it's going yet, but I have thoughts, more thoughts that I'll be sharing later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what we, t we, we were talking about. This is a crossover. This is not an event with tie-in right, right. issues. So one issue will lead to the next, and then you will lead to the next. So you know that's no, how it should be working. No, no, no. I, but I was talking about X Factor one, two, three, to four. Yeah. That this does not connect to that at all. No. Like this no. is just you know. So that kind of that threw me off a little bit. But that's that's fine. We'll we'll chat more about that. Well, I you know I want to share my opinion, but I think that's a good point to dig into. We talked a little bit last episode about like it's been a really long time since we've had a direct crossover of any length, like more than these four issue kind of the button type crossovers at DC. And I do think that people forget how jarring it was, especially for Tyler and I who are reading single issues back in the 90s, um, that like when you would pick up the next issue of X Factor, actually, I'm thinking of during Executioner's Song when Peter David's X Factor, and it was like, what is this? Because if you weren't following it sequentially through all the titles, it's people are so used to kind of event tie-ins, which will take a moment and go, oh, let me recap where we are in the event, and let me recap how this team is relevant to the event, and let's make sure it continues from where we were last issue. And like direct cost crossovers is just a whole different ballgame. And in seeing some people respond to it, you know, on Twitter as, as the X spoilers tag went up, I'm not saying anybody's wrong in their opinion. Opinions are opinions but I definitely got a sense of some people kind of like having to remember how direct crossovers work a little bit. It was, was my take. So I, gosh, I had a lot of impressions about this and I don't want to totally monopolize now because we have so much to talk about. Um, I think Leah Williams found some really interesting moments with the characters and that's what I fixated on. The kind of, I think this was more info dump actually. This felt just as info dumpy as X-Men 12, only a different kind of X info dump and in a lot of ways that annoyed me. But I think Leah Williams is a tremendous author of of characters and I think she wrote some really great moments for Polaris, some, some great, very small moments for Emma Frost. She made the five sound like all one but also distinct and we'll jump into all those things. So I found reasons to like it, but from a plot perspective, I just feel like she was burdened with doing a lot of exposition and, and rules dump. What are the rules of the tournament? But I also would say I loved this artwork. Carlos Gomez, who has not done a ton of interiors for Marvel to date with this super saturated color um, palette by Israel Silva. This is to me like the pl platonic ideal of what I want from X-Men. It's got this very like even more saturated and bold than a cartoon, you know? And I love that about X-Men comic books. I, to me, it looks like a lot like Caselli's art, who also draws in some X-Men titles and who's one of my favorite on the rotation. And I've seen some people say yes, say no to the art. So Tyler and Freya, did you like this art? How did you feel about the style, which was a little bit different? I mean, I like that the characters look really good and the um, expressions uh, of, of the characters, the shock and the mistrust when they turn when they all turn and look at Richter that that was really well done but um I might be a little bit OCD uh, <laughs> the the white borders around the panels and the panels not being aligned properly it's kind of like bug me it seems like it's floating very randomly so I was like uh, what why is that I mean it there were a couple times that it actually was confusing, oh. where it was like, is yep. this an inset? Does it follow? Is it just the same picture? Yep. Like, I definitely had that a few times. Yeah. What did you Freya, think, Freya? Uh, were they beautiful so, enough for you? 
Oh yeah, they they were like you know I I loved like they were so pretty. Everyone looked very pretty and very sexy. That that's all I care about. Uh, but no, but to be honest, I was actually more thinking about like if someone is reading. This is very very much like Papalares's uh, artwork. Like like you know if you are reading creation and then this, it's the it's not going to be jarring. Versus if you're reading X Factor three and then going to X Factor four the artwork will be completely different. Mm. So at least from that point of view, I thought that it was very consistent. Like at least for the crossover point of view, it's very consistent. Uh, the art, the colors uh, looked really good. I did not notice the border thing, but now I feel like I'm going to go back and notice it. Uh, but yeah, everyone looked pretty. Um, and then, you know, we, we it's, it, it, to me, it was perfect. Like it was nothing that blew my mind, but it wasn't something also like, ah, oh, my eyes, please. So <laughs> from that point of view, I think it passed. I just, that first spread of um, Siren, like taking her breath and yelling while Archangel is carrying um, Apocalypse behind Apocalypse. her. Like I just, yeah, that, that to me was just like, that's the kind of big splashy thing I'm looking for out of X-Men comic books. But interesting, the recap page is like, blah, 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 tournament, blah, 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 swords. But this issue actually sticks pretty close to X-Factor's purpose, which is to look at the kind of whole, the bureaucracy and the politics of resurrection on Krakoa. And so this doesn't have the full X-Factor team, although we do, do get some Polaris, we do get some Rachel Summers, but it focuses a little bit more on the five. But the first thing we really get in this issue is this concept of Richter being like, I'm already damaged, just let me die. Like, did you as a kid, when you would play video games and you would like lose Mario, like on the first world of Super Mario World, be like, screw this, and like hit the reset button. Like why play out a game when you lost your life so early? And I kind of got that vibe from Richter. And then, and then Apocalypse is like, no, young millennial, hang on to life. And then Richter's like, okay, boomer. And there's just this whole exchange. So I want to turn this question to the two of you. Should mutants treat their bodies as disposable before knowing everything we know later in the issue about other world and eggs and stuff? Would you do you think mutants should just be like, yeah, cut me off, get me a new body or should they fight for it? Does life still matter? So the thing is, like, it's actually a contrast between what Storm felt in Giant Size Storm. Yes. Right? Giant Sand X-Men Storm. So I personally think it's a perfectly valid way to think. Like, there it they like just because they're all mutants, they shouldn't think the same way. So we saw Storm feeling completely different, who she is like ready to fight and ready to follow Phantom Phantom X to that world that he goes to and then trying to find a cure for her issue but here Richter's like you know the millennial that he is why just be like why yeah bother? why bother yeah. <laughs> I mean and the thing is like I I connect I would if I were muted I would follow Richter's you know uh Richter's way, but I would though Drek said that, hey, bring me back ten pounds lighter. But <laughs> you know, but the thing is like it's just as valid as how Storm felt in her boomer way that no, I'm mm-hmm. going to fight for this. So I yeah, think I, mean, I think it was a good contrast. Tyler? I mean, I agree that is a true contrast. I mean I, I had I had the Storm quote here as well. I mean it's it's like she's like, No, the true measure of living is the living of life is living. You know, it's right. not a series of do-overs or restarts and things like that. And, I mean, I do have a couple of points with regards to this part. I mean, one thing is, you know, the whole um, military uh, mentality of leave no one behind. Mm. So you don't want to leave a soldier behind in enemy's um, territory. That's one. I mean, the other thing is that um, it has been established, I think, in X-Factor 1, that they need confirmation that a mutant has has really died. So by leaving him injured and dying, that is not a confirmation. I think that's really key, and I think we've seen it play out both in X-Factor and X-Force. This idea Mm. that, you know... It's it's kind of taken no no man no woman left behind to a different level because if they're left behind they can't reap all of the benefits of Krakoa. So it's interesting. In the past, you might have been like, "Oh, we don't want anybody to die," but here it's almost like we can't leave anybody's physical form behind because it's too dangerous. What if they get turned into a vampire? What if they get resurrected? What if they get harvested? It's gonna what if they get cloned? And so I think it's actually an interesting beat because like you said, the normal implication is it's very militaristic, nobody gets left behind, but it has a completely different implication on Krakoa. Yeah. 
And the other thing right. too is uh, going back to what Freya said. I kind of like that we're starting to get divisions in how mm -hmm. the mutants feel about these things, right? Like it's not what people have been talking about them like they're a monolith. Oh, they're a cult. It's a sex cult. It's a death cult. Whatever the, you know. Some readers are experiencing yeah. that way, but this is not a cult. Storm, Apocalypse, and Richter all have extremely different feelings about if they should be, if they should die or not. And then put on top of that, that Apocalypse is the big bad that you've got to fight if you've lost your powers and you do want to get resurrected, which actually is consistent to his worldview because he's like, you cannot just throw away your life. If, if you want to be resurrected, do something of value at the end, fight for it. So I think that this draws a straight line to that fight that we saw in X-Men. I forget if it was six or seven. seven. Um, seven. To him telling Richter, don't give up here. To me, it's yeah. the same character beat. Yeah, I mean, the other part also is that Wolverine did say that, you know, the the pain of dying is real. Mm. And even though here you can actually edit out the dying part, but, you know, it, it is it is there. I mean, there, 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 there will be scars and stuff like that, you know, left behind mentally, if not physically. The But to be uh, like, you know, I think that's one of the things that Docs is doing very well, that for the first time, I feel like mutants are actually having different thoughts about things that yeah. at least what I am seeing. And mm -hmm. which is, once again, I think, you know, if we're going to compare with like a real world minority and all of that, there is a certain, uh, I'm seeing it actually, like, you know, in a lot of different communities that people used to think one way all the time before, because that's what you needed to do but now that different rights and everything has been given like you know people are having different kind of ideas different kind of ways of thinking uh, like which is i think is actually an uh, uh, evolution for a community rather than like you know something that needs to happen at some point it makes me really think of there's this very famous kind of meme for anybody who does community planning or city planning. I know it sounds like a small audience for a meme, but it's a picture of, you know, a sidewalk that goes one way and then a path through the grass that's shorter that has been now worn down to dirt because people are taking the path. And it's kind of like you're and it's also for people who do user interface and user experience. It's kind of like your user experience is only the best way to do it until it meets the users, right? The users will find their way that they like to do it. And it's this idea that the community, you know, ultimately is the one who defines the space or the community is defined how your app is used because they're the ones actually using it. Design, you know, and the intent of design stops mattering. And I think the same is true for what you're saying, Freya, like the evolution of a community, the the differentiation and fracturization of people's opinions about things like resurrection in this fictional context is what makes a community a community and not just kind of like a single-minded organism. We're starting to see the true idea of community building, which is that not everybody is agreeing with each other, but they still have to exist together. And that's what a community is. So I just, I found that moment, it seemed, it seemed like such an easy to read past moment, but it actually to me crystallized so much of what is truly fascinating about Dawn of X. And, and that is what makes X-Men an X-Men, right? Because X-Men has always been a family. So right. now the Krakoran is kind of a larger type of family, a community, each with different ideas, different opinions. And, and, and that makes it very different than, you know, say, you know, um, uh, or some other teams comics out there. I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing that so, and I hopefully they do it with someone that actually matters that <gasps> one mutant what? <laughs> Go ahead. Are you no, saying... no, I was just No no I'm saying that some a character that actually matters that you know that character will say like do not bring me back. Oh, I thought you were gonna say that Rockslide didn't didn't matter to you and, and we'll get no. to that. That no, that's what that you I see what you're saying. Somebody like, who's no. somebody who we really care about saying like, no, I want to treat this as if life is finite. Like, right. you know, put I... me in the back of the line. Don't don't rush to. No, no, me. don't even put me in the back of the line. Just do don't. not bring me back. Do not bring me back. Because I think like in X Factor, in one of the data pages, it was actually mentioned that what yeah. happens that if you don't want to come back, and I think it was mm -hmm. reducted or whatever. But I think yeah. that I want to see it, but it cannot be effing rock slide like it has to be someone that we care about and that person and it has to match with that person's character not mm. even out of character i want so that something like that to happen maybe nightcrawler 
Well, no, maybe it should be Glob Herman no. that just dies forever. Wouldn't that be sweet? Oh, uh, that would be really nice. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Now, this yeah, Brisson will come, come after you. Down on the video, all the thumbs <laughs> the down. Brisson will, Brisson will come after you. Oh man. Yeah. Well, Brisson and I have other things we can beef about. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's something that I, you know, is on my wish list now. After seeing the two side of that argument, like I want to see it at some point. So before we well, leave, I, mean, I, I really want to dive into that, but actually, go ahead, Tyler. We could come back to the other thing. Oh, no. I was just going to ask one question. Like, do you think Colossus would want to come back? He, to me, feels like one, especially given his history, who yeah. who feels like maybe death should be permanent. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like when No, but I want Frida him to want that. it. I want him to want it. And then if you so, say that, hey, it makes sense, then that's fine. But the thing is not because that, oh, Kate left me in the wall altar. Please, no, son. <laughs> you have more to live for. <laughs> for other reasons, yeah, that's fine. But no, not, Kate, cannot be for Kate, that. Kate left me for my for my little little flower. Oh, no. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So um, I do want to touch on one more character beat before we get in deep into this resurrection stuff, mm-hmm. which is Polaris. Polaris is a character that has been saddled with a lot of wishy-washy writing. She has been crazy, and then she hasn't. She's been Havoc's side piece, and then she's been a leader. She, I mean, she's somebody who was treated as kind of a very serious, studious character, and then really her lack of identity has come on to define her. And now she's Magneto's only kid, since we're not counting the pretender Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver anymore. But something that really struck me here is getting caption boxes for her. And to me, this is why I love caption boxes. I know I'm an old person okay boomer but um i just felt like it was so great to see that she wasn't questioning her identity or if she was crazy she's questioning if she did enough and if she's enough if she's i don't know if she is enough and i just thought that was such an interesting beat to play for her but Priya, you don't know Polaris as well because you haven't read as very many comics with her did this kind of ring out for you at all or was it just you know more writing to gloss over um, so the thing is, question though first, was she with Havoc in the War of Realms? Or no, not War of Realms, sorry, the King, uh, the Cosmic, Marvel Cosmic yes. Saga? Yes, she was, oh, okay. ab- she so was she... abandoned deep in space along with Havoc and, and Rachel for all of that and time. Then, and, and then she was like hanging like you know, with them and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Okay, so it's it's her. Um, so the thing is, to be honest though, and that kind of like, you know, one of the things that resonated that you were talking about, that she doesn't have a personality that for you to hold on to at least not for me like I didn't you know it it didn't even register so therefore because I don't have any of the past I to me it just felt like okay finally I'm beginning to see something yes I felt like that too like finally there's something tangible right right because the thing is I remember in I think it was Hawk 6 or Pox 6 like you know you were not happy with how Polaris was written so that's why I'm like okay but why like you know so so now I'm actually beginning to kind of see that and I want to see how that goes in rest of the X Factor because she's she's part of that team. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, but given that I didn't have anything past to hold on to, to me, it's just more of a like seed for the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I mean, I'm I'm old, so I like it. <laughs> because <laughs> no but but really really that that is a way to um to establish like i mean to to to, to help help define the character right right without because a lot of times nowadays it's like oh you know don't 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 say so much let the art do the work but mm-hmm. when you're talking about some inner monologue the art cannot be the cannot replace it Right, because mm-hmm. this is like her thoughts. I mean, right. and that that could be you know something that is like I could be like talking to you right now, but thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner later on, and that is my inner monologue. <laughs> but but you know what I mean. This is this is like I mean a chance for um for Lear to sort of like define her even more clearly like i mean i i actually i actually love her in uh x factor number one too where leah wrote a really compelling polaris i i just want to finish up this point and then we'll move on in her first box she says i'm always furious with myself but the times my self-hatred reaches its zenith are the days in which i am desperate wispy thing feverishly seeking validation from everyone around me and i just felt Mm -hmm. like in one box we like got leah 
cutting right to the center of the problem of how Polaris is often written. When you have characters that are a little bit more internal and self-reflective, how do you get into that without caption boxes? Like, it's part of the reason people like Cyclops so much, because for so much of his early life, we got these boxes about his level of anxiety and his indecision that now we kind of just read them on his face. But if there was a newer character where we didn't get their thoughts, we wouldn't. And I think that's even something about the way that G. Willow Wilson wrote Kamala and Miss Marvel, is that we got a lot of interior thoughts in Miss Marvel mm-hmm. in a way that we don't in many comics and it makes us feel like we can follow her thought process even when she's a guest star in another book when she's not getting that. So I think that that's, it's, an, it's a small thing but I think it's the difference between thought bubbles which are like I am thinking this right in this moment versus captions which are kind of like this is my internal monologue and, and the way that I'm feeling beneath interacting in the moment. So mm-hmm. one thing I do want to mention though before, like I think and why does she care so much about Rock Slide? Like, I mean, what's the background on that? <laughs> Tyler, what, I, mean, I have she... a take, but what did you feel? I mean, I don't think she has a strong connection with Rockslide. It's just that her guilt of not being able to stop the the killing blow in time. I think I think it's, it's more of her personality. It, is, it describes even more of her personality that, you know, during this, she is not... She's not the leader when they went through the external gate. But she took it upon herself that, you know, I could have done this. I could have stopped the death. Even though at that point in time, she was like, oh, you know, it could be re- he could be resurrected, right? So um, that, that was my take. Yeah, I thought it was a little overwrought. But at the same time, she's one of these senior X-Men, you know? And I don't think we would blink if Jean or, or Scott had a, an interior monologue like that, because we buy that they feel, or Aurora, because we buy that they feel really, really responsible for all these younger characters. And it kind of just struck me as like a nice moment to see that Lorna actually ha- like has feelings, you know? So often she's just kind of written to be there. And I kind of like the idea that she's like, she's one of the most senior X-Men. She um, She's Magneto's daughter, so she's a representative of the House of M. And she's yet let one of these kids die on her watch, which is like, we see Magneto venerated by all the kids back in the Empire tie-ins in 10 and 11 for bringing the great savior. And she like can't help but kind of like weigh her own actions in this mission format versus what Magneto just got set, you know, um, uplifted and put on a pedestal for. And I thought that was like a really deft turn because again, it gives a little bit more nuance to a character who hasn't been defined so well, in my opinion. Okay. No, do you, would you have no, thoughts no, on that? Do you think we're like just blowing smoke or do you feel that a little bit? No, no. I mean, I like I said, I don't have any past connection. So I was thinking that maybe there was some reason for that. But the thing is, I was just saying that I think in X Factor 1 or X, yeah, X Factor 1, she just denied the leadership role. So to mm, me, I was like, well, someone like, who... Yeah. D- yeah, like, you know, someone who didn't, doesn't want to be leader don't necessarily care that much if you lose, like, you know, soldiers. But the thing is, like, I, I, I wasn't sure. I, I thought that, you know, maybe there was some past connection between the two. So, you know. So now I want to dig into what I think is, like, the bulk of this issue. And I know Tyler's probably got some thoughts. Free's probably got some thoughts. I, which I is thoughts. the whole resurrection drama. So... You know, there there's no protocols for casualty of war, but haven't isn't some of the things that happen in X Factor, or I mean in X Force, kind of also war. Why is this any different? Um, let me throw out a couple other topics, and then y'all can just jump in, right? Um, did they? Why did they immediately assume all the eggs are broken and then be like, purge the eggs? Have they ever done like a five whys on a problem the way a real engineer or programmer should? And then also like. Have they really not thought through all of these instances? Surely there's a concept that people might die outside of the resurrection range. That was our concern way back in House of X um, 3 and 4 with the space slip mission. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I I, I know that we're establishing the ground rules, but I kind of couldn't help but roll my eyes because I'm like, I feel like we've kind of talked about this stuff already. I don't know. That's that's me. I really want to hear from the two of you before I kind of dig into it. So... The thing is, I want to the question that why X Force doesn't matter, like you know, didn't matter versus this because X Force are CIA, like you know, so they are deniable, like they ca- their missions are deniable, like you know, that you they can deny them, so they don't necessarily get the same treatment mm. as soldiers versus, okay. you know, so that's where the distinction is to me that why it they it doesn't it's not the same, um, 
but but the thing is like i mean when they destroyed those eggs it really hurt me as an engineer like it yes, really talk hurt about me. that because I, I really had a feeling you were going to say that i really because explain I, I to people I'm... who don't, aren't engineers and don't work with engineers and technical people why did it really hurt you Okay, so if you are, so I am a plant engineer. I, that means I actually work in a plant and I am part of the operation. And my role actually is like if something goes wrong to understand why it went wrong. And there are so many different tools that are available in order to do what is called a root cause analysis. And as one of the ones that uh, Peter mentioned is 5Y, which means you ask five times why, why, why until you get to the root cause. Before you get to identify the root cause, under no circumstances you are to destroy any of the samples, in our case, or final products. You can, like, it's such a waste of time, money, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not, no company will allow it. You have to write so many reports for that to happen. And then, in this scenario, it's even worse because this is, like, people's lives involved, and without ever sitting down and talking about it they're like yep destroy all of them like yeah like mm, 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 mm. like you know like the 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 scene in black panther movie where killmonger destroyed all the flower things that makes that scene hurt me this scene hurt me even more like because even it was though preventable just... it wasn't just a villain Right. Like, and I was like, what? This is, they, they have beasts, for God's sake, in their in their island. Like, they have all these smart people in there. And I kept on thinking about what Tyler was saying in one of our last episodes, that where's the, there's no rules. People can just do whatever. They can just plant gates wherever. There's no, and this yeah. is, this is that. There was no rules. There is no protocol. Like they yeah. don't. They didn't write anything. There's no standard operating procedure. Damn it! And then, as an engineer, it also kills me. And oh. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm th- that. That's one of my favorite <laughs> moments we've ever had. Faria's engineering corner, because yeah. I had. I you know I'm not an engineer personally, but I work with engineers and programmers and and data scientists, and I have done some data science too and I had pretty much the same conversation at work just before reading this issue where there was a big problem and there was a question of like do we purge and rerun this data and I was like whoa 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 before you purge and rerun the data can we do the five whys and ask about what was the state of the data in the moment there was a problem right because just because the data was wrong in that moment doesn't mean the data was bad or the source was bad and then I got home and read this issue and I'm like wow this is art <laughs> imitating life right here because and, and, and the point I want to make in its defense though because I don't I don't bring this up to say the issue is bad i think this is a thing that real people do in an emergency unless you have been trained over and over again to do the five whys to do root cause analysis to have a standard operating procedure when people are feeling nervous and uncertain and they're encountering a problem their first instinct is a lot of times like flush it all down the toilet let's start again so i think it was actually a very real moment and And that's that's, okay that was my counterpoint because these five people have been so connected for so long and suddenly the link got broken and they were panicking. So, and do remember that, like, I think besides Hope um, and maybe Proteus, the other three are relatively young and inexperienced. So and Hope that's... is the only one that has been through a war with, like, Cable, uh, old Cable, not a young Cable. So... You know, and Proteus, uh, maybe yes, maybe no. I don't know. Yeah. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's completely valid. Mm-hmm. What the F Professor X is doing then? He's a leader. <laughs> well, he, was, he, was knocked, he was knocked out. Yeah, but you he mean was, in aggregate. Like, where's, in, the, where's the plan? Why, like, why, don't why destroy this... the eggs unless you get sign exactly, off. Exactly. Like, all Turn of this the keys in the nuclear been... suitcase. Exactly. Like, all of this should have been done before. And then if he was knocked off, who is the second in command? Right, isn't why Gene is... supposed to, like, put the hell... I just... Yeah. But this, to like, me, this no. is not a problem with the issue. This is just kind of like, wow, the mutants are not as organi- well organized as they're cracked up to be. They, I... they have, like, they have the quiet council. That means there's, like, a 12 of them. There is no order that, hey if this baldy like you know got, gets concussed someone else takes his place like you know it just that annoyed me that annoyed me because it's like okay i and i completely agreed with you that they are young and i this is something because guess what 
In plants, this is the exact thing operators tries to do all the time. They want yeah. to flush everything. That's their right. Same with me. With yeah, so very talented, very smart that's, data engineers, sometimes yeah, the urges flush, flush it, flush it. And the thing yeah. is, I will be honest with you. That was also my first reaction when the first time something went terribly wrong under my watch. But obviously, as I've grown, it's not the thing. But but that's what my question, the, my concern is that this is the most important operation in their island, and they just do ugh. like you know yeah. they they just they someone like in X Factor One, this guy just walked right in. It's like oh my sister died. I mean that's yeah. the one time they decided to <laughs> stood up. It's like okay, how do you know? You know. But the thing is now it's like oh my god, like it's like like SpongeBob Jeff of like those like they're running around like. <laughs> So upsetting. <laughs> no, but 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 this this is actually a really good point, which bring bring brings me to the next point, which I kind of have to make. Uh-huh. I, I think there's so little that Professor X and Manito have thought of, like in ways mm-hmm. in which mm-hmm. this whole process could be disrupted. Yeah, I mean, right. you know, set set aside the fact that this is probably has some magic involved in it. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say assuming that there's no magic involved in it. Have they really look at all the points of failure and have adequate redundancies in you know in in just this simple resurrection protocol? I I don't think so. And to that point, and that's what I was thinking the whole time. Even though this is the character we saw only one plan- panel after so long, where the f is Moira? She could have fixed all of this. Like, why isn't she pulling all of this and running this? She's program? in her little no place, sipping her tea, and then the helmet explodes, yeah. like, and she's like, doing? "That's the first time we've seen her in months." It's yeah, like she's catching she's... up on her Netflix. She there's a whole oh. new season of The Crown, and she, you know, like, no, she she she's going to all the cities and having like the best restaurants and best food ever. Yeah. And she's so like, Friends yeah. actually had non-white people in my universe. What's this all-white version yeah. of Friends? I, I don't recognize it at all. <laughs> what did I change to make that happen? Um, so yeah, she's just hanging out. So Tyler, yeah. I you usually come with receipts. Like I, I haven't written a song yet, but I feel like we we need like the the Tyler has receipts. It might have to be in a minor key. It might have to be the Tyler has receipts corner because you took note of a lot of specific stuff in this issue. And before I kind of keep going with the general discussion, I want to turn it over to you to talk some specifics because that's what a lot of the people who watch this really like, and you are that guy. Well, okay. First thing, I kind of like that um, the. Well, the story is sort of like, um, okay, I, I'm going to go for the minor, minor stuff. Like, why we there's one it. part, there's in the data pages, there's one thing that they use for to de- denote time, and it says KMT. And there is no KMT in in any of the timeline, uh, I mean, in the real world. So it's so Krakoa mean time? Like mean time, yeah. that's what I think. Yeah, so Krakoa they have their own time. time zone. So that was pretty, pretty nice. Um, I hope it's offset next... by like eight minutes just to like mess with everything else. Yeah, yeah of 30 seconds. Yeah. Like, we are 30 seconds off. And then I kind of love that Leah used, um, sort of have a callback to a Claremont shorthand with the accent. Because, yes, you know. I noticed that. Eva used like mate, you know, sort of denote that she's she's Australian. So that's kind of like really, really fun. And Proteus, who let's not forget, is Mura's son, who's hardly ever written with an accent in the two or three stories he's appears appears in before. He does have a very lightweight Mura Metagart accent Mm -hmm. in this issue. Not as heavy as you cannot eat, like the way that Claremont would write it, but I definitely noticed. And Leah might be the first, Leah Williams might be the first person I've ever seen do that. Do that with with this character. Right? Yeah, I'm trying to remember yeah. if Soul did it when he used part of this in Astonishing in 2017, but I don't know if he did. I have to go back and look. It really stuck out. To yeah, me. yeah, yeah. And then um, there is another character that made a one panel appearance in this in this issue, uh, besides Moira, and I think it's meant to be like you know, just like just sort of an afterthought kind of thing. Um, like, you know, um, how do you pronounce the word? Is it Eunice or Unus or... I, you know, I don't know the official. I, pr- I, I would say Eunice. Eunice? Eunice would be weird. You'll say Eunice. This, there should be nothing, like, you know, just okay. like anus. Oh, like, it's so bad. <laughs> like, I'm trying uh, not to be juvenile and say that, but I'm thinking that. Oh my goodness. Like, but, yeah, yeah, but... Like, 
He this is he the professional X Men talk show. Okay, it's highly yeah, professional. So I'm professional. wearing a blazer. Uh, we talked about five watts. Yeah, <laughs> and it's very anus the untouchable. <laughs> so he made a one panel appearance in this issue, like quietly. He just slipped through the external gate back with like Polaris. No one mentioned him. No one noticed him. I think he's a Trojan horse. I do think it's really interesting because because of who he is and what his power is, and also because he like it's so uncommented upon. Like you don't put sometimes you put things in the background of art just so fans don't go. But what about Eunice? What about Eunice? But sometimes you put it in because the gun in the first act goes off in the third. And I'm just yeah. you know cl- I just felt like even though he was so small on that panel, it clearly was meant to draw our attention to it. And it's just was it for continuity reasons or was it because it's gonna kind of go off later? And I definitely noticed that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I sort of match the champions to the sword, but that's not that difficult to do. And then Doug did that, all the know, work for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then Doug he did, did most of the work for me. And, and thank God. Yeah, you weren't ready for another sinister gossip <laughs> rag where we had to where we had to blind item all of the potential combinations. No, no, no. I mean, I'm okay with the sinister because that was actually funny. But then all this poem nonsense, I, I can't. Yeah, I, I don't. He's not do here poem. for po- po- poetry no, no, analysis. No, I, do, I don't. No. I don't do poetry. Like, trust me. I read the whole of the like Ring of Lord of the Rings. Did not read any of the poems. So Yo, that's not that's not my jam. <laughs> oh, who's the one? Um, the the first one, the first gu- the first person that they met in the forest. Oh, Tom, Bom- the... Tom Bombadil. Yeah, Tom you, didn't, Bombadil. you didn't read any of the Tom Bombadil. Oh my stuff? god! Nope. nope, didn't miss him. Didn't read him. Didn't miss uh, him in the movie. Oh it was it was fine. It was yeah. fine. It's no. Yeah. Do not. I mean, no one this... in real real world speaks in poem. No one does that. This is but not a not thing real. that happens. Shut up. Like this is real enough. <laughs> I need to believe Kako is real. Oh my <laughs> real. But yeah, no. Well, I mean, I think the 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 most interesting thing I think in this uh, the matching of the swords is that Gorgon has actually two swords, and presumably he's going to fight in two duels. So and that I think is a callback to Hickman's um, Secret Warriors. Yes. So mm-hmm. he has like both um, God uh, Grass Cutter and God Killer. The, Ooh, the two like, swords, and I love like cross cutter like Usagi. You remember? I think yeah, so. I that think was my first thought. When, yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, it is okay. a samurai type of uh, type of situation. Well, and oh, I also that. love that you know Hickman has his favorites that even within the run of X Men, he's managed to like pull in from his other runs, and I like that he he slipped Gorgon, I think, into Avengers at some point. Maybe it was in Avengers World. It was in Secret Warriors. He's just one of these like pet characters, and I don't mind that. I think that's fun when an author has a signature character that they like to use a lot. That's maybe maybe nobody else is going to touch ever or yeah. care about. That's that's fun True. to me. And then Storm, of course, has Skybreaker. Even though Skybreaker has never appeared before, Skybreaker was her name as a god in one issue of, I think, Extreme X-Men or something like that, mm-hmm. when they were an alternate universe. And, yeah. She's so, the so, only, I mean, she was the only t- uh, riddle I could solve. Like, you know, the, the god. Wait, you couldn't solve magic? Oh, you have not read those issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah Free doesn't so go way back with Ileana like we do. And then I was like, I was like, Ugh, I was just literally like, Ugh, like the whole thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> the whole thing. like the self friend thing was pretty obvious for dug. people who have yeah. read New New Mutants, and you know, so then mm, that that was pretty fun. Um, and I, I thought, but you know, the twins—that's the part which kind of stumped me a little bit. Like, who is the above and who is the below because it did make me think that like you know we can get into the idea of this as a tournament arc and and tournament arcs in fiction and if they're interesting at all or not i say no um but part of what i think is interesting is like who gets involved and why and the personalities of the characters right and i was thinking when i hit that one above one below part is wouldn't it be interesting that if some reason caused one of the x-men characters to have to fight for the other side like what if they're just compelled what if that's the sword that they find you know what happens in in this mode where we're saying whoever dies won't come back if you have to have two mutants fight against each other and it's like a zero-sum game because one of them has to die and so even if that's not what the twins hint 
tournament is about. It kind of sent my mind down that path. And to me, I'm like, well, that's what's interesting about a tournament arc. To me, a tournament arc on its own doesn't do anything. But if you make it painful for all of the characters, then it's interesting. It makes me think of this great um, YA super queer comic called Fence that I think is out from mm-hmm. Boom that's all um, a whole fencing academy and some of them are sleeping with each other and some of them hate each other and um, it's mostly an all-male cast. And it's like, I actually cared about the sword fighting. Like, if you, X of Swords, you want to get on Fence's level? Because every issue when there's fencing in Fence, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh! But that's because there's real stakes for the characters and you really, really care about what's going to happen. So as much as this issue kind of bored me a little bit and as much as the tournament idea kind of bores me a little bit, I'm like, you know what? If you're going to set up real stakes that makes me care about these stupid sword fights, then I'm in. Now, if you can make it as queer as Fence, then I'm really in. But I don't know if we're ever going to get there in an X-Men comic book. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens in Marauders. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more like... Um that was my my main fear coming into this was like oh it's like um you know half the issues will be like the quests for yeah. the swords and then half the uh, crossover will be like fight 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 yeah. and there is no levels there's no layers to it there's no nuance to it and in some ways i kind of like this issue um because they added the nuance level to it they they added the characterizations of polaris to the whole thing and you know it, it, it makes me care a little bit more than just a you know stupid fight but now let me turn that to the other side of the coin to Freya we've again had the comic basically saying there is an instance where people can die is that required to have a good crossover or does that make you roll your eyes and say again because you've kind of come and gone on on this idea of like, do we have to keep reintroducing death to create stakes? I mean, I rolled my eyes at this because <laughs> I had a because no, and then here's the thing: because all of this learning curve, let's just say, which is also an engineering thing, we do a lot of learn learning beyond mistakes, um, came at an expense of a character that no one cares, like you know, rock slide. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, you hurt Peter. I, I love I, Rockslide. I you do. You love Rockslide? Okay. Okay. Especially if case... I had the choice between getting rid of Rockslide and Glob. But let... okay. So okay, in that case, I take that back because I honestly wanted to kind of. I actually went to the Wikipedia to see where other places Rockslide were because I've never seen this character. This character was. Sh- only introduced in X-Men 11 and I think uh, Tyler has receipts where he was in docs just for this moment. Right, to you or to anybody who's only reading docs, it feels like he was, he's like a total red shirt. Like he was introduced with something (laughs) interesting about him just so we could feel bad when he dies in the next episode. No, there was nothing even interesting about him. But he was, he was a a rich red shirt that appears in many, many different issues before, (laughs) before (laughs) X-Men 11 and X-Men 12. Right, he has history. You just haven't read. Yeah, Yeah, but this is, it's just, okay it's not it's no one and then i mean okay fine he's someone uh peter cares like peter cares means he is an interesting character there you go here but let me give is, my ode you finish and then i'll give my ode to rock slide okay fine you, you will but the thing is what i was saying though is like okay you do all of this and in order to find it and you know to be honest create them they they didn't face this problem problem that they didn't know uh, that this can happen and there's some magic involved in all of that. But is it just because that there is a stake in this? Are we just doing it just because of that? And by the end of it, it's going to be like, oh, never mind. And then is it just happens in other world? Then it's going to be a thing. And does it mean that at the end of it, we're going to lose someone important? And then we're going to be coming back with bringing back like someone from Ultimate Universe, like, you know, some some mutant from the Ultimate Universe like that. Is that the idea? I don't know where it's going. But the fact that now we just suddenly have stakes because and the thing is, like, honestly, people, death is not the ultimate punishment it's not it really is not it's a very old way of thinking there's other things that can happen to you that is worse than death i think go find it writers yeah and i i mean i had so many similar reactions to you except for i love rockside which is that um <laughs> uh, you know it made me question like oh well now we were so excited about all the people with the swords and the pinup 
you know, image by Mark Brooks. And now we've got to look at that group of characters and go, oh, well, now who's going to get wrecked permanently and, you know, as a character, as a cost for this. And, like, it's going to make those of us who like the character kind of, like, be like, now we lose all of the progress that we have. Because that it's going to happen. Like, they pretty much said all of the champions will still want to fight. And Polaris, you know, very specifically at the end is like, even if they might, you know, permanently die. So even, which doesn't actually make sense to me because if they've gotten to the point where they know that dying in Otherworld is going to corrupt the backup, why don't you just not back up people when they go to Otherworld? Like, it doesn't seem like it should be that hard in this whole Professor X data warehouse of psychic uh, impressions to just stop backing up people to go to the gate. But that's another another conversation. So Or back up in a, a secret way so that people don't know. Yeah, it's only like, 10 of them. Have a forget another spin up another AWS web server and put those 10 people on that one. Like why is this such and then, a big and, and, and then put it in a Fer- Faraday gate or something, you know, yeah. a magical Faraday gate uh cage the cage or something so that no one can access it. But as we've established, there's no engineers on this island. Sage, Sage must be asleep. Forge is, Forge is out to lunch. There's no engineering minds in control of this process. I, I, I should I should write, I should create a data page written by Dr. Nemesis that says that, okay, I'm going to list down all the points of failures and the, and the lack of redundancies. That's who we need. Dr. You Nemesis guys is a logical it. negative. He can put on the black hat and get through all of these things. Or, exactly. or, or call Karnak. Karnak will help you. Karnak can like, figure it out. Yeah, Karnak, I don't know where he is right now, but yeah. call him. He can, he can find all flaw in the system. He, so, he will help you out. So here's my defense of Rockslide, briefly. We've, in every generation of... rock slide. Yeah, in every generation of X-Men, I feel like we always get the monstrous character. Frequently, it's it's men, although we've started to finally move away from that with characters like Penance and then also um, characters like Mercury. But, you know, and the tact that we always get with them is like, I can't be a part of normal society. And a lot of times they kind of retreat into a lot of very kind of masculine tropes because they got to be a tough guy to kind of hide. And it's very much an homage to the thing, right? Like that, like he's got to be this tough guy because all he is is tough exterior and he can't kind of be this the soft person he wants to be. And so he adapts his personality in that way, right? Sometimes it's more interesting. Sometimes it's less. For me, it was interesting for Rockslide because he actually developed over time and to just like a friendly character who supported other characters, especially with this really great friendship that he has with Anil, who is gay and is his best friend. And there's never any of these like no homo moments between the two of them that many male writers would try to insert. It's just like there is a beautiful friendship. They clearly love each other. Um, and it's just not a ta- it's not an issue at all. And so I just really love Rockside for, for what he is. And I feel like at the beginning of Wolverine and the X-Men, they introduced Glob and they kind of took all of Rockside's plot development and like tried to move it back onto Glob and make Rockside just this like mean bully again. But for somebody who had been reading all of these like young X-Men comics, I'm like, but that's not who Rockside is anymore. And then everybody loved Glob. So I kind of have this like this 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 anger this uh, that that like Glob got the Rockslide plot developments and Rockslide got left behind. I'm like, well, here's the final nail in the coffin. And it's really funny to me because if we look ten years ago, almost this month, the other kind of monstrous made of rocks kind of guy from the X Men Academy era, Onyx, was the sacrificed character in Second Coming. And here we are ten years later, and we've sacrificed Rockslide. So not really because he's kind of alive, but the version of him that's alive is the version of him that's like the multiversal jumble version yeah. um, that was backed up from other worlds. So maybe in 2030, the X Men crossover that year can kill Glob Herman. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> I mean, like, don't you think that it might be a little bit interesting for Rockslide too? It's like, you know, Eno will be like, oh, remember that time we did this? And Rockslide will be, what? I, I do. I hope, do that. I hope that this change means that some writer has a has something they're going to do with it. The thing that will make me angry is if the crossover ends and he's just like, there's that silly rock slide who doesn't remember stuff. And he's just like in background panels forever. Like if somebody has got a place to take it, then I'm in. But to be honest yeah. though, on, in all honesty, this should have been Glob. Yes. This should have been Glob. This is going to be our like, most disliked video in the history of this show. Yeah. And that's what, that's what you were, Tyler was saying that like, you know, I think. Tell I, us why you t- say it's supposed to be Glob. Because, because in free comic book day, that oh, panel uh-huh. which shows the the picture of like the um the group of mutants, Krakoan who goes into the external gate, Glob was there instead of uh Rockslide. So Rockslide only got replaced. I mean, Rock Rockslide replaced Glob in creations. 
So if you compare the two pages, yeah. uh, the cards, like three characters got got replaced, right? So Siren replaced Banshee, which makes sense. Um, yep, and then Rockslide replaced Glob, and um, I can't remember someone replaced uh uh um that the Trinary. Um, I can't remember who that person hmm. is. Well, here's the other thing, though. Glob, and we talked about this two videos ago in our whole, like, favorite characters, favorite moments thing. Glob just had this awesome moment in New Mutants 12, which kind of resolved his plot. And I don't know if you watch, like, a lot of reality TV, but a lot of times before somebody's about to be, like, kicked off of a show on reality TV, I'm, we know the reality TV that I'm watching. Um, it, before somebody gets kicked off, they always resolve their plot. They'll be like, and that's why my mother and I finally talk again after all these years. And then they get eliminated. And so I yeah. kind of felt like New Mutants 12 was, like, Brazan being like and scene on on Glob's plot so that we could Got kill him, it. but no, it yeah. wasn't. So I kind of felt and, a little bit narratively misled. <laughs> right, and then to me that that would have actually made sense to me as well as a reader who is just who just read like New Mutant and for the first time I cared for Glob and oh, so... and now he's he's Deadsville or wherever he is. Well, like maybe you know, he'll still get killed. There's always a chance. Um, yeah. It, it just, like, so you're talking about the Whedon stuff. effect, right? So it's like Whedon will make you care for a character yeah. and then the next scene... Yeah, and it done. works. To be honest though, it's a, it's, a, it's a cheap trope. But hey, guess what? It works. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's exactly why these glob types exist in X-Men, I think. Like, you know, kill them off, yeah. like, okay. slowly. Oh, <laughs> <Like>, So... <sighs> Uh, Tyler, any other deep receipts that you want to dredge up from this issue before we start moving towards the end here? Um, uh, I mean, uh, the the third character that was replaced was Summoner. Summoner replaced Trinary. Hmm. Um, that will be the one. And let me, I mean, I. Anyway, I, I, I mean, I, I don't. I even though I kind of like this issue, the way the whole corruption of the. Of, of, of the backups and things like that kind of bug me. Yeah. But I just sort of like, you know, um, sort of say, okay, it's magic. So, <laughs> and not not dwell on it too much. Um, I think that was, that, that's the part which I kind of like. Uh, yeah. You know. but, but you actually had some good points I mean, in terms of like, I think which also changed my mind about like why this needed to happen. Like this, um, this, um, this issue error in the resurrection needs needed to happen. I forgot what did, what did you say. Well, I mean, it it's just it, it it just highlights that there is inadequate thought behind mm. the whole process, right? right? They 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 look at it more like, oh yeah, I have like five cradles and that's it, you know. But if you have five backups that are all linked together and that could be corrupted all at once, it's useless. I mean, it's like, it's redundancies, but it's not a true backup. Right. So there's also an engineering solution for that. It's called process hazard analysis or PHA. And if you do that, you actually sit down into, like, look at a process, look at every different units, and then come up with where are the failure points for that. And you can mm -hmm. put, like engineering solutions for that yeah. like you know there is none of well they the, the major one was that professor x dying and they already mm -hmm. solved that but the thing is mm -hmm. there is nothing else other than that exactly and I, and I think that's the whole point that as we are going through the whole docs i feel like we're just gonna find out different faults in this which yeah I don't and know whether that's an interesting I'm, thing or not. I, I agree. I think, I think in is. a way that's what Docs is. I think it's Docs starting with this utopic ideal, which is a lot of times what people say, you know, I'm going to make it perfect by doing this. It's the way politicians approach plans. It's the way engineers approach plans from the idea of like, what if we had a perfect system? And and all of Docs is going to be finding the problems with the system, which mirrors Mora's kind of progress through her lives where she's like, I'm going to try being with Magneto. I'm going to try being with Apocalypse. And every time there's a problem. And I, I do think that that's actually maybe the true plot of Docs. And as people are kind of getting frustrated, with like, oh, everything's always going wrong, which I am to a degree. Yeah, but that's what this is. We all signed up for this. It's the gradual process of finding fault in the X-Men's new idea of utopia. And it's not going to look pretty when all 16 million of them show up. Like, you know, now there is like, what, 200,000 or something? Like, you know, where are we? But then all 16 million, when they show up, like, 
we already saw what happens when the zombie version of them shows up but well like... and to a great degree this whole crossover is about the fact that they could lose Krakoa itself which Krakoa runs all of the flowers runs all the gates basically enables them you know it's where the pods and the eggs are being grown and nurtured it's what enables all of this and it's like yeah in your fault process did you think that the place that the location that you rely on could be taken from you like it they're so busy yep. thinking about how to defend the island from incursion from outside forces that they didn't think about how to defend the existence of the island and i think that's that, actually that, a really not... clever part of x of swords that a lot of people are missing that like yeah. it's one of the core faults it's like what if you have nowhere to do all of the things that mm -hmm. you're doing and not to mention all the new mute like all the new mutants that will keep born being born throughout right. this time like that's not part of the 16 million so it's like so one of the things that we I do want to mention though before um before we stop uh, is that the bitch slap that apocalypse got while he was dying talk about that <laughs> like you know so he's he lays dying i remember i kind of thought back about that uh book with this giant um, hole in his chest yeah. with a giant Just, hole yeah. and then uh <laughs> Professor X comes back somberly says that hey look well, we're having to do this and then it's gonna take some time so don't worry about it and I don't know whether it's him or Magneto but one of them says that you won't be missed <laughs> during this time I was like ouch like I know the man doesn't have a heart there but come on bedside manners like oh. is, is the two of them is the yeah, two of them, yeah. Yeah. The two of them. say Magnetos told him, say, your great experiment has ended. Yeah, yeah. You and failed. You failed. Yeah, and then Professor X says, you chose not to heed the council, and now your hubris has doomed us all. And, and then, and and then was, it's like, you won't be missed. Like, you know, so the thing is, like, it's just like, yeah. I was like, well, they're kind of covering their butt uh, in a way as well. Like, they're kind of telling him that why there will be a gap between him coming yeah. back so that he doesn't get upset. Right. But at the same time, <laughs> it's like, eh, kind of your fault, bitch. <laughs> yeah. But so, also, well, it's from, not. From like a narrative <laughs> parallelism, it's also like each of these units of the council have one fracture, right? So Magneto and Xavier would like to align against Apocalypse. On the all-villain one, um, you have Mystique, who's clearly got her own plans that are different from Sinister and Exodus, although I guess you could say Sinister is the one sitting out. On the other yeah. council, you have Shaw, who Emma and Kate want to kill. And then, so then, you know, our Storm Gene and Nightcrawler, as aligned as we think they are, is Nightcrawler's kind of founding of religion going to take Nightcrawler in a very different direction from the two of them and it's just really interesting to me because again these are I care very I'm much less about the structure and all these Hickman-esque circles with all of their symbols and much more about the conflict within the structure and I think this apocalypse yeah. moment was like whoa these three are supposed to be sticking together they, they've they been traveling all over the world with their you know roadshow about how great mutants are but in this moment look how quickly Magneto and Xavier turn on him but this is yeah. also to the point of like, you know, how a lot of people are saying that, oh my God, now they're sitting rubbing shoulders and stuff. It's not as simple as that. No. It's much complex. So, and that's something that I keep on telling people is like, stop thinking that simple minded level. Like, you know, just think that what it takes to build a nation and what kind of sacrifices you have to make both personally, politically. And, you know, this is one of them. Like they hate this part. They hate each other. They hate this person. And they're coming together, like they're having to come work together. And now in this point, they still, the mask slips off and the mm -hmm. true, the <coughs> anger still shows. Mm. That is magnificence of Hickman's plotting, I think. I personally well, think. Well, I mean, that there is a, there is definitely a split between Nightcrawler, Jean and Storm. Because mm. in the vote to close the external gate, only Nightcrawler voted yes. So Storm and Jean both voted no because they would be leaving soldiers behind. But Nightcrawler was the only one who raised his hand. Well, I think that is a wonderful point to wrap up on this issue. We leave with magic jamming her soul sword into the ground in this, um, in this version, this geologically encoded version of the secret of who's going to get what swords and basically saying, game on, pound the war drums. And, uh, and that's where we're going to go. So next week we have three issues. They're going to be sequential, even though they're coming out all in one week. And somehow we are going to cover all three of them in one episode, a feat that we have never attempted before and may spectacularly fail, fail. to do. So before <laughs> like we sign apocalypse. off. Like uh, apocalypse. Yeah. 
Just like Apocalypse. So any I'll, any final single thoughts that you have from this issue before we all sign off? Yes, uh, I do have one. Tyler. So what if Cable saw it is not really the light of Glarador, but light, but instead is the peak? I am hoping for like some station. kind of giant... Uh, giant monster action yeah. swinging all of the sword station or crafting I mean, it into something. Like, I'm really hoping for that. No, but you see, the external gate is not a gate like Krakoa. It's built into the ground. So it's perfect for them to shoot something from, from space down into the into the gate and into the tournament and like killing the other side. It's like three pages and we're done. Well, also it would make the, like new sword, the, new, the new sword series pretty interesting if they crashed the station into yeah. Otherworld. <laughs> Uh, Free any final ones from you? Parting shot? I mean, no, I started this episode kind of not liking this issue, but the more we talked about it, I was kind of on board. I'm on board for it. Now, you know, I want, I'm looking forward to the next three. I feel similarly. Mm-hmm. I You may remember that in our group chat, I when I finished it, said, I hated this, and there's so many A's in the word hate. But I think that this is the fun of X-Men comic books right now, that they're a communal experience. It goes back to this community building stuff. Like, talk about these comics. Like, even if you hated the execution of one issue, you thought it was off voice, you thought the art was bad, um, there's still really interesting things happening because of the way the line is working and because we have so many characters in play. My last parting shot is I love that all the psychics tried to get the information out of Polaris's brain, and later she's like it was geologically encoded like i have a master's degree in this okay that just made me laugh because i thought it was a really nice connection she didn't actually say i have a master's degree but i read that because i i know that about players so because they were in they were in like grad school when they first appeared yes so that had made me laugh. So everybody, thank you so much for watching another episode of This Week in X as we talk about X Factor 4. We will have another mini episode between now and next week to talk about one specific thing that we've liked so in Dawn of X. It. Yeah, we're really excited about it. And then we'll be back for a full length, maybe even fuller than full length, maybe even lengthier to talk about next week's three issues. Tyler Freya, thank you so much for joining me from across the world in what is truly one of the highlights of every week for me. And I'll see you again next week. Bye, everyone. Nice. See you.